question. Oh. <laughs> what do you guys think about Stan Lee, especially in the wake of his passing recently? What are your thoughts on Stan Lee? Hmm. I respect what he did. I mean, like, he's kind of the foundation for everything that I read, so... (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have any... There are some people, well, one person in particular that I can think of who doesn't really think too much of Stan Lee's contribution. Who, Bill Meyer? No. Uh, Durf back Durf. Oh, okay. What did yeah. Durf say? You don't remember that? I don't remember. Who, who is Durf? So he wrote... So Durf back Durf is like an indie comic writer. Hmm. And he wrote some articles about Stan Lee where he was talking about how... He's a... Durf back Durf is a writer and artist. Oh, and artist. Yeah. And he did a comic called uh, My Friend Dahmer and another comic called Trashed. Where and the, a bunch of other comics. Yeah, and they're really great comics. He's really he's really a great writer, but his whole thing is an artist. An artist, and his whole thing is that I don't think he. I think he thinks that Stan was an a, like a glamour hog, and was a someone glory hog. a glory hog, yeah. and someone who got more credit for his work than he should have, and. You know, he'll talk about how Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko probably didn't get as much or didn't talk about themselves in quite the same manner. Mm. And the one thing that I remember him recently talking about, and this was, you know, a few months before Stanley's death, was where he was basically saying Spider-Man with, was it Jack? on Sp- uh, Or Stanley with Jack Kirby on Spider-Man? No, Wait, not. You uh, mean Steve Ditko? Steve Ditko. Like... He, he basically lists all the villains that came out of that era, and then he compares it to after Steve Ditko leaves, and oh, yeah. he just goes, all the the lasting uh, thing that Stanley created after that period was the Kingpin, and everything after that were guys like the Kangaroo and like some other nobodies, <laughs> guys that we've never seen since. So he hey, wait, basically... Wait, did, huh? did Pacepot Pete come after that? I have no idea, but... Essentially, he looks at that and he goes, this is an indicator that Stanley isn't nearly as good or in, or as talented as you think he is. Yeah. But, you know, my my appreciation for Durf back Durf aside, like, I, I still <laughs> like Stanley, and I'm not going to, you know, marginalize him, mm-hmm. you know. Well, so, sorry, I don't want to cut you guys off, but uh, Shannis, can you say something? Because <clears throat> I need to get your readings on the mic. Stanley was a man who created comic books, and now he's dead. All right. <laughs> that is a factual statement. Yeah. Yeah. Sky's blue, boxes have corners. Stanley is no longer with us. And he, when he was with us, he did make some comics. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Are you a big Stan Lee fan, Shanus? I appreciate and respect the work he's done. I, like they were saying, he's, without him, the comic, the comic book industry wouldn't be what it is today. Uh, and he helped co-create the Marvel you know, company. Yeah. So. I think it's also fair to say that there's a lot of editorial stuff, editorial contributions he made. I mean, maybe it's not all just in the field of writing. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. I mean, like, he developed, like, Stan Soapbox and whatever else. But the thing is, for me, when I heard it, it just, like, it kind of really hit me because, I mean, obviously we can't, 
idolize the guy. He wasn't uh, flawless or like without controversy or, mm. you know, there's, you know, like we were just talking about people who have differing and varying opinions of him, none of which are necessarily invalid. Um, for me, it's, I grew up with this stuff, man. Like uh, Jack Kirby and uh, John Buscema and Steve Ditko and all these other guys were people I used to uh, copy um, like literally like copy from the comic and like try to draw from them and Stan helped create uh, a lot of those characters he helped write a lot of those stories um, he helped he was partially responsible for a lot of those worlds that just like defined such a huge formative chunk of like my my childhood and my life so uh, I remember you know just always getting the, a good laugh out of reading uh, Stan's soapbox or like I even learned some like useful vocabulary words. Yeah, from man. There. Like he would, he yeah. would drop words. Stan in there was a big fan of just Excelsior. Using, yeah, yeah. It's like a ten-year-old kid isn't necessarily gonna know what that means, but I would go and look it up, and then yeah. then I knew what it meant. So it's like there was a lot of good that came of it, and I have a lot of fond memories that that he had a hand in creating. So I got to respect that, and mm. I think. Um, the the genre or the medium whatever you want to say about stan is definitely going to miss him he was like a a huge huge part of yeah. of what we know as comics today the other thing that i kind of wanted to interject because i do think it's a fair comparison to make is i think a lot of people or well i don't know about a lot of people that's that's not entirely true but um so, like, when you look at his contemporaries on the other side at, like, DC, like, the one guy that I can think of is, like, Bob Kane. And I think there's this impulse to, at least for me anyways, to wonder... Is Bob Kane really one of his contemporaries? I guess so, right? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, Bob Kane didn't really do anything besides put his steal. name on Batman. Yeah. Well, but that's the point that I was and getting to, was that... um I feel like the impulse is to kind of wonder or, like, if Stan Lee has, like, similar uh, skeletons in his closet or, you know, just methods in terms of how he operated uh, when when he was making these comics. But I think Bob Kane was a far worse figure. Yeah, than... I don't think that's a fair comparison at all. So for people who don't know, maybe outline exactly what happened with Bob Kane. Bob Kane was... I don't know. Well, I guess he was the quote unquote the writer for detect for Batman Detective he Comics. He was the artist. He co-created Batman with um, Bill Finger. With Bill Finger, but I think but he stole a lot his, of the credit. For history tells us that uh, Bill Finger and, uh, was far more responsible for everything we really know and care about Batman. Yeah. Uh, but Bob Kane was. Back, you know, they created Batman in, in what, like 1938, 39, mm -hmm. and Bob Kane just happened to be wily enough um, with the foresight to basically sign a contract where he had to be credited as the creator of Batman. So that's why whenever you see Batman in the comic for like the longest time, up until like very recently, you would always see Batman created by Bob Kane. Yeah. And it isn't DC wasn't allowed to say created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger or anything like that yeah. because... That's just not how it was signed, the contract. Um, and Bob Kane, he was a guy who basically used his clout and influence. Uh, he was only minimally creatively involved in the comics 
if, uh, there's a lot of evidence <coughs> that he had a lot of uh, basically assistants and ghostwriters who were who were drawing them under his name while he didn't really contribute much. Um, and he just ended up being this guy who gained a lot of, you know, the glory for creating Batman. Uh, and he kind of lived off that. And I don't think a lot of people in comics actually liked him very much. Mm-hmm. He was just son- sort of this glory hound and despicable figure, so to speak, that uh, everybody kind of knew who he was and couldn't really do anything to change it, you know. But But for, like, the average person or... Some kid opening up a comic for the first time. They'll believe it. Yeah, you know, you just see Bob Kane's name and you think, oh, okay, it was drawn by, this was drawn by Bob Kane or Batman was created by Bob Kane and so on and so forth. Um, Which is exactly what I thought until I knew that whole story, which Mm -hmm. is, yeah. yeah, You say until recently, have they started crediting it? I think they've started putting his name on things, like you'll see it here and there. I don't know. I think I'd I'd have to open up a a Batman comic comic. well, hey, you've got a Batman comic right here. <laughs> Let's see. Because I think it, it's there's a, a certain credit that it, it says... Uh, it's very yeah, it specific says, in it's, its language. It says Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what it says now. Yeah. But I only made that comparison if only because, again, like, there's sort of, in terms of time period, in terms of, for the longest time, in terms of... Um, their stance in the comics world, they were sort of contemporaries with one another. And I think there's this impulse to, in in the back of my mind, to be like, oh, maybe there is something to what Durf Back Durf says. But at the same time, it's pretty obvious that Stanley did way more work than Bob Kane ever did. And like, there's, I don't think I could vilify him to that degree. Um, I know that some stuff happened between him and Jack Kirby where they didn't end up on very good terms. And I don't even know, like, if they... I don't think they ever really resolved that amongst each other. Um, From what I know about their relationship, sometime in the 80s... I think if you, if you go on YouTube, you can actually find this, but at one point, I think at some point in the 80s, there was a an instance when Stan Lee was on some... I think it was a radio show or something I, like I, I may be getting some of the details a little fudged up but the the gist of it is that either stan lee or jack kirby was on a radio show somewhere in, in new york some mm. some local station and uh one or the other ended up calling into the station to just wish the other guy a happy birthday or something and yeah they basically like talked on the phone you know on the radio station yeah in front of each other so that's pretty nice yeah and they they ended up saying, uh, you know, congenial things to with, yeah. to each other and, and saying, you know, best wishes and that sort of thing and saying okay. I, I respected your work and all that. Uh, so I don't I don't really know, like, how they were personally, but at least it, things didn't seem to get too ugly, like, yeah. in that instance. And that was kind of like, I mean, it was on a radio station. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, to be fair, public. too, I've, I've seen him in, in later interviews and the Jack Kirby thing comes up and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even know why. Like yet, for one thing, he gives Jack credit. Like yeah. you know, he's like, "Hey, I was involved in the process, but Jack did X, Y, and Z." And I, th- I think that's a little. Uh, honestly, I personally think that's a little self-serving because yeah. that always he always was complimentary of Jack after Jack died. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
and yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to be cynical, but to me, it's it 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 just kind of came off as a little bit hollow because mm-hmm. he was extremely complimentary of Jack's Jack Kirby's genius after Ooh. Kirby died. Uh, but it, I think, the thing with Stan Lee uh, is that people like this, here's the thing: it's it's like for most people out there, Stan Lee is synonymous with comic books. Mm. It's kind of like when we were kids. Nintendo was synonymous with video games. Mm. You know, people didn't really think about Atari or Sega or anything mm. else, let alone your, you know, Commodore 64s or whatnot in television. In television, uh, it was just if kids would say, "I'm going to play Nintendo," and yeah. people and understood that to mean you're playing video games. Video games. Mm. Stanley, it's kind of the same thing. You say Stanley, and people think, "Oh, comic books," you know. Uh, or maybe Marvel Comics. Yeah. They don't realize that Stan Lee was a co-creator. People look at him as the guy who created the Marvel Universe. He's in all these cameos for Marvel movies, even for the ones with characters that he had nothing to do with mm. yeah. in terms of their creation. You know, like, mm. what was he in uh, Deadpool or anything? Probably. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't surprise yeah, me. He, yeah. What did he have to do with Deadpool? <laughs> You know, what did he have to do with, with he Wolverine? He snuck into Rob Liefeld's in the de- house in the dead of night and whispered into his ear, Wait, have you ever wanted a version of Spider-Man, but douchier? <laughs> this one's got katana blades. Was Stanley in Black Panther? I want to say he was. I, mean, I think he was. I'm pretty sure he was. I don't but remember he, what he the He did co-create was. Black Panther, though. Okay. Yeah. He, he didn't co-create uh, Wolverine. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was purely Len Wein. Yeah, Len Wein and uh, I think it was Herb Trimp. Wait, was Stanley in a Wolverine movie though? I oh. know he's been in. I I want to say this. He definitely wasn't in Logan. I don't think he, he was, was in Logan. Logan. It was only Logan. because Logan was more serious. But he also wasn't in Wolverine Origins. Hmm. Huh? No. Or I don't remember. But anyway, the the fact the the point I'm I'm trying to yeah, make is that's sort is of that, a side. Is that. <laughs> People actually think Stanley is responsible for creating the Marvel Universe, and and I mean like primarily or solely responsible. Like I had I had one of my coworkers the other day uh, after Stanley died. He came up to me and he was just kind of lamenting and and uh, he actually thought Stanley created Marvel Comics like the, as a company. Yeah. He, and, no. and like the, yeah, no. you know that that's sort of the mythology yeah. that people are can easily believe about him because of just who he was in terms of being a great self-promoter and exactly. being able to really sell himself as a character. A lot of a lot of that um, perception is based from a lot of his own self-promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was really good at that. <laughs> he was really good at that. Showmanship, man. Yeah. So, self-creating myth. Yeah. You know? Mark Miller. Uh, yeah. If well, Mark- he, he was like Mark Miller to Before. the nth degree, yeah. you know? Like there <laughs> I'd say Mark Miller doesn't, like, he's still a self-promoter, but not to that Yeah, level. no, there, I don't think there's ever going to be another Stan Lee. No, one, yeah. no one's that going to have that uh, level of self-promotion. <coughs> like, Stan Lee was like Barnum and Bailey, yeah. you know, or P.T. Yeah. Barnum, or what you yeah, call it. Yeah. Just a rem- guy who was really good at getting you yeah. excited and making you, like, he, he could talk to, in his writing, he would... Or even in interviews, you know, he'd talk to his fans and write to his fans in a way that made you feel like you were special. And I, I think, you know, that's the yeah. kind of thing that draws people 
to to us another person. Yeah. He's sort of got that charisma and that charm. Yeah. And it's, he just comes off as a guy who who's friendly and and doesn't really have any ill intents. That's yeah. kind of an interesting thing that you raised though because that sort of mythos that you develop around a personality that you market or whatever, it really becomes part of the culture of the product, right? Like yeah. oh, people yeah. like you said, people see his face and they think like comics, sure, but they also think Marvel comics specifically, right? Yeah. Like hey, that's the Marvel guy. Mm-hmm. So for better or for worse, it's kind of like his face is kind of um, associated or, or sort of what defines that sort of image that you get in your head with Marvel yeah, comics, yeah. right? Like that's the kind of uh, personality that you associate with it. So I don't know, like some people would argue that's good. Some people <laughs> would argue it's bad, but the the two are just uh, inseparably connected now. It's, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And I think in spite of his self, his uh, self-promotion, um, I do think that, I mean, it's, you can't dispute that he contributed a lot to comics. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you can't dispute that. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to emphasize that he wasn't solely responsible for all his contributions either. Absolutely. That Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and that early Marvel bullpen, you know, the yeah. bullpen that he named... You know, those those guys were the ones who did a lot of the heavy labor. Yeah. Um, going back to your Durf Backdurf quote, when you do look at uh, if you were to ha- if you had to compare their careers, right, Stan and and Jack, after Kirby left Marvel, he still did a lot of oh, yeah. great work. He contributed significantly, and he created a lot of characters that still have an impact today. Yeah. That people are still strip mining for ideas. Mm. Uh, but a lot of the creations that Stan Lee ended up making, uh, it's like you said, you know, he, ma- he came up with the Kingpin and the Kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Kingpin is still top notch, so like, but I, I used to have this English teacher who would talk about, um, that I would talk to comics about, and one of the things that he was saying was, well, Kingpin was around, but like, and he said this about Bullseye too, but basically yeah. it wasn't until like Frank Miller that they you became who be- they are. Exactly, I exactly. Was, I was just going to raise that point. You know? and I mean, you know, it's not taking anything away from like he did. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, did yeah. help yeah. create the character. Yeah. But it's just like what really put him on the map. I was watching a documentary, by the way, mm. um, and sort of that thing came up because John Romita was talking about you know having drawn the Kingpin and he wanted to create this big sort of like blocky character in contrast. Uh, to the previous kind of, you know, criminal underworld type that has the mustache and the pinstripe suit and whatever. Like, yeah. They just, they wanted to do something different. So he's like, well, what if I made him look more like a Wall Street tycoon kind mm-hmm. of person? And so he has the idea that, that births the kingpin. And then Frank comes along and he's doing it. And he says, Frank says he was talking to someone. This is in the documentary. And they're like, well, here's what you do. Like, first issue, you try and keep as close to John's version of the Kingpin as you can. But then, like, as soon as you break away from that, you're going to have a segment um, where you make him yours. You turn him into the Frank Miller Kingpin. Mm. And he describes this sequence that he has of, like, the Kingpin just, like, lighting a cigarette. Because, you know, Frank's known for the the shadows and the contrast and all that. So he's drawing John Romita up to that point. And Kingpin lights a cigarette. You know, the, the flare from the lighter um, causes the shadows. 
from that point on, it just it shifts. Yeah. And he knew when he was doing it that that's what he was doing. Yeah. It shifts into that Frank Miller kingpin. But that's that kind of became the iconic thing that totally. we now know. Right? Totally. Like, we think kingpin, and usually you think Frank Miller's kingpin. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess it goes to show that sometimes all it takes is some other talented creator years down the line to take one of a previous creator's creation and really make it shine, you know. For all we know, next month, the kangaroo can make a comeback, you know. Maybe Charles Soule will do something awesome with him. Doubtful. What would you say? <clears throat> Doubtful. <laughs> C- can you say that a little louder directly into the mic? <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> I mean, look at Bendis. He took Purple Man, and he made that guy deadly. True, true. Actually, there's that scene in um, Alias or whatever, uh, Jessica Jones, that's kind of <coughs> horrifying. He walks into a crowd. like he's I forget the actual context, but he's headed down the street somewhere. Big crowd of people, and he's just like, Everybody kill everybody else. Basically, just like everybody kill yourselves, and they all just like turn on each other. Like, you have somebody who can just do that on a whim. That's it's not a person you want to mess with. Yeah. So it's just a testament to, you know, like like you said, um, there are a lot of characters that exist, but it just takes a talented writer with some vision who can turn that around and make it someone that we can care about. So I'm waiting for that comic where the kangaroo is the greatest threat that the Avengers have ever faced. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Jason Aaron will listen to our podcast and <laughs> accept your challenge. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just hard to I would believe love to a villain call the kangaroo and be like, taking that seriously. <laughs> well, the purple man is a villain name that's hard to take pretty seriously. But there's something very simple and very, like, just direct about the Purple Man. Like, it's like the Slender Man, you know? Okay, well, when when Craven first came on the scene, I didn't take him seriously. And there's been... There's oh, been, Craven the Hunter? Yeah. There's been That's a, a couple Stan of really Lee good and stories. Steve Ditko creation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple of good stories that made me take him more seriously. You've read Craven's last one, right? Parts of it. I, haven't, I actually haven't <clears throat> finished it, but... God. I, I need to go ahead I'm speaking more about the name of the character. Like Craven is something like I can go with that being like a potentially threatening villain, but yeah. mm-hmm. I'm the kangaroo. I'm like Okay. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna laugh. You do what you need to do and then you go on your way. Oh, Pace Pot Pete. Um Spider Man literally laughed at him. Like he, he <laughs> tried there was an issue where he tried to attack him and he just said, like, really? Like that's that's your name, that's what you're dealing with now? <laughs> they didn't even fight. He just sat there and laughed at him. <laughs> That's great. I also think that uh, in the wake of Stanley's death, um, just seems like a lot of the mainstream press, you could tell that people who were writing obituaries weren't really up to speed on in terms of comics. Yeah. Um, you know, Granted, I understand that saying that Stan Lee is the creator of Spider-Man doesn't mean that Steve Ditko is not the co-creator. Uh, but it, it, there's still something about constantly reading things where Stan Lee created the X-Men and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four with no mention of his collaborators. There's something about that that just rankles me. Yeah. Or they just said that he co-created those things. Not yeah. so people are like, yeah. oh, Or you could just say he was involved in their creation. Like... Well, you got to give credit where credit's due. And, I mean, honestly, there is an element of, like, journalistic integrity to that as well, right? Mm-hmm, it's just, yeah. like, if you if you have sources or if you are citing sources, you do have to be honest about, about what those are, even with that, or with, mm. like, scientific literature or, or research or anything else. 
so to write articles that credit one creator while leaving the other creators out in a sense by omission is a bit disingenuous i get it mm. um but you know it's i think stan's just so big that like everybody knows him and they don't think to to mention the yeah. other people it's which is news. unfortunate it's huh? a lie or i don't even know if it's a lie it's but fake news it's That's the sort of partially it's fake the news. sort of Inaccurate, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's the sort of thing that people can get away with if only because it it's related to Stanley's death. So, who's really gonna say you're wrong? Stanley didn't do all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you like, would. I was gonna say us, apparently. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Albert's gonna fly over and go to the office of the New York Times and <laughs> demand a retraction. Idiots! <laughs> <laughs> and you're ugly! <laughs> I demand integrity. Do it now. I know from like when I heard that Stanley passed away, I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Then I didn't really give much more thought than that. I was like, I, I know he helped co-create a lot of characters that we know and love in the Marvel Universe. Mm. But he co-creator that he wrote some stories and after a while he just went to the background of the, the editing process he wasn't really yeah. at the forefront of creation anymore yeah. <clears throat> but also at the end of the day he was just the guy who created comic books which is like my like short to me that's all he was he's just the guy who did something yeah. that I enjoyed but beyond that I he didn't cure cancer or something cure, there's, yeah. nothing, yeah. there's nothing significant about what he did that I felt so affected by that his passing was something I had to like lament severely like yeah yeah is there anyone in the world whose passing you would lament? That I would lament? Yes. I mean, I suppose I'd have to lament my parents' or siblings' passings. That wow, that was... I know, right? <laughs> uh, that was labored. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to. <laughs> I suppose I have to. <laughs> but there I no think that's what's conventionally accepted. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't think of any personalities... Who, if they passed away, I'd be like, "Oh, what a travesty! What a great loss to this universe." Yeah, like honestly, severely bummed out that they passed. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. I can't think of anybody. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you think that's funny, Albert? I don't think that's so funny. I thought that was kind of severe. <laughs> well, Shannon is a severe man. Don't <laughs> test him. <laughs> yeah. He he's he's a severe man. You're right. Ain't nothing severe about him. <laughs> <laughs> what are your f- favorite Stanley works? Hmm. So I'll have to be honest, and you know this might probably mean that it might uh, revoke my comic fan card, but yeah. I I don't really I can't really off the top of my head if I have read. Like his early stuff, like his Spider-Mans or his Fantastic Four, I don't remember it well enough to honestly be like, this is, you know, this is, yeah, like I don't, I just don't remember it well enough. But I, I like, I recognize it for what it is. I recognize it for, um, so I, I've had this conversation with you before, Drew, but like uh, as a kid, I didn't really have access to a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. So what I did have was those cards. So um, Marvel cards? Marvel cards. And the great thing about the Marvel cards was they gave a brief paragraph of some of the greatest stories and battles that uh, have occurred in Marvel history or brief synopses of uh, 
individual characters. So based on that alone, and combined with the power of my imagination, I was able to enjoy those stories. And a lot of those stories were based on Stanley um, and uh, Stanley stories. So, like one example was one of the famous battles was Silver Surfer and Doctor Doom, where Doctor Doom steals Silver Surfer's powers and use uh, the co- the power cosmic and imbues it with himself, and he takes on the Fantastic Four as a god, basically. And nice. as a kid, that story always stuck out with me, to me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's some pretty powerful stuff. And there's also The Coming of Galactus. That's that's a crazy big story. Did you ever read that? I didn't. I, I, I gotta go back to it. Yeah, I liked a lot of the Fantastic Four stuff from back then, but honestly, for me, like, being that young, um, mostly it was for the Jack Kirby art. Yeah. And I saw Stan's name on it, and I was like, oh, that that's cool, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the guy who wrote it, but, like... What I remember most is just like the the machines, like all the crazy like technology. Oh, yeah. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. The I've Kirby always, crackle. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've always had a soft spot for that um, that flair or that sort of Kirby esque thing that he did. There are a lot of really um, unique idiosyncrasies that he had to his own work that you know even artists today would comment on it. I, it may not have been like anatomically like exactly on point for every single thing that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in in terms of style and in terms of pure, like, dynamism, like, the way it hits you or that visceral kind of quality that you get when you're when you're looking at the work and when you're, like, in the story, um, yeah, man, there's, there's only one Jack Kirby. So I remember, I guess it's the artist in me, but I remember mostly Kirby's art and some of Stan, like, some of the soapbox stuff. And then later on, like... You're talking about Stan's soapbox? Yeah, that, Stan's uh, soapbox. You want to, like, briefly explain what that is in case our listeners aren't familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. So he would, um, for a long time, he would have his own little column or his own little section um, in the comic books. And it would be printed for, like, whatever issue. And he would talk about uh, some of the things that were going on at Marvel and some of the stuff that was coming down the pipeline. And it was always a very... Uh, light-hearted sort of funny as if he's standing with you in person kind of joking with you about you know just the latest stuff that's coming on or going out or what some of his thoughts are and some of the big developments or larger developments in the marvel universe um and it was uh, kind of akin to like a fireside chat for like the marvel universe yeah. with with stan so uh he was well known for that um so I remember that, and then the crazy nicknames and stuff that used to mm. be in the front, like, I don't know, you'd do something, it was always alliteration, Jumpin' Jack Kirby or something yeah. like that. So Smiling he, Steve Ditko, yeah, yeah. Stan the Man Lee. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to mention, or that I remember from him was, in his later years, there was an episode of The Simpsons where he was on, and... They just portrayed him walking around a comic book store, just like taking Marvel comics and moving them, putting them in front of DC comics, <laughs> and like slapping stuff out of kids' hands. And he's like, "Why would you want to play with Batman when you can play with the Thing?" And then he'd put the Thing in the kids' hands and just walk away. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So for me, I don't recall reading anything written by Stanley directly. So the best I can answer is of his co-creations. I don't know, Spider-Man is the thing that I always, like, I'm very fond of. Mm-hmm. Did you just never have any real interest in reading Stan Lee's old comics? 
Yeah, I would say it's fairly accurate. I generally was like, I, you know, for historical purposes, yeah, maybe one day I should read his works, but I don't feel like I was missing anything by not reading his work. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of stories I read now, like, you know, I have enough knowledge where if it references something that he did, it's usually in passing. The characters are now so well known that usually the information I need to know I can access or I'm just have enough familiar with it that I don't need to worry about the details of what he did. Yeah. Um, and I understand that his style of writing was particular to that generation or particular to him more so. I've heard people who grew up in the 60s call his writing dated even back then. Because mm. you got to remember, he was writing dialogue for teenagers when he was already in his 40s, you know? In the <laughs> 60s, he was in his 40s. True, And he's writing true. Spider-Man in high school and stuff. Yeah. One thing that was really interesting to me, and I've, I've seen this in interviews with various artists or whatever, they did note how, how Stan would do um, kind of like a, a rough outline or description of the story. I mean, obviously the oh, dialogue and everything. Yeah, we're talking about the Marvel method, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's more of a looser description of what's happening. And then the artist has all this freedom or leeway to kind of like fill in and, and figure out um, what are these characters doing? What's it going to look like? Like all the specifics. The, the artist can work out more of the specifics. I think um, as an artist myself, I think that's a cool way to do things. But then, you know, it leaves space for some, some other types of things to happen as well. Especially if you're, like Drew was saying, like using like dated dialogue. Like, okay, so, it, you know, how are you going to make the characters act in, in yeah. light of what they're saying and, and what's going on? So... Yeah, know. maybe we should uh, summarize what the Marvel method was real quickly, too. <coughs> so, typically nowadays when people write comics, they write a full script. Yeah. And that full script goes to the artist who then, you know, illustrates it based on the script. You know, a, a detailed script includes all the dialogue, the scene descriptions, the panel breakdowns, page breakdowns. It's kind of like a, like a movie script, I suppose. Uh, whereas back when Stan Lee was in his heyday, because I think part... Part of the reason why he did this was because it was uh, due to convenience. You got to remember he was the one who was writing. The, he was writing all of the Marvel comics at the time, uh, and he was the editor, so he didn't have a whole ton of free time to dedicate writing full scripts. So he would, he and the artist, like Zach said, they would get together, brainstorm an idea for the issue, come up with a general plot outline together, then the artist would draw it out, draw out the entire comic. Then you'd have, then Stan Lee would come back to it and fill in all the dialogue and word balloons and thought balloons and stuff. Right, right. So it was a bit of a collaboration. And even today, there are, I mean, that's kind of a really extreme example, but even today, there's like varying degrees of, Mm -hmm. you know, freedom or or looseness, if you want to call it that, that you can have with the script. Um, Alan Moore, for instance, is like, super extremely extremely detailed down to like yeah. you know the character is going to be standing in this pose with like this expression on their face and it's going to be an upshot and blah 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 very very detailed very technically like on point as opposed to i don't know something like um who's who's more of a looser guy you can think of uh i don't know brian, brian wood's a little bit looser probably i mean i'd have to it, i'm sure it depends on how how uh comfortable he is with the artist too yeah but uh definitely alan moore is someone who's who's the opposite direction of a stan lee where i think i think i was reading the alan moore his i think i was reading his script for something like the killing joke and the first page of 
I think Alan Moore's description of the first panel of the first page of The Killing Joke probably takes you like 15 minutes to read, you know, because it's like <laughs> yeah. a couple hundred words. But the funny thing is, <laughs> the first dense. page of The Killing Joke is completely wordless. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever look at it? Yeah. It's just Batman driving up to Arkham Asylum yeah. and it's just panel to panel to panel. <laughs> What's ridiculous, though, incidentally, is Alan Moore is one of my favorite writers. Like, yeah. he's, the guy is just so good oh, yeah. At, yeah. at layering things into the story. For and sure. Just, I, I think he has just such a strong vision of, of what he wants to happen. Um, you know, he's just like a director that can just see everything in his head uh, ahead of time. So I guess he, he has to describe it in, in such detailed terms. But The interesting thing with the Marvel method, too, is that it led to a lot of unforeseen creations because... I remember the story about uh, the coming of Galactus, right? Um, Jack Kirby drew in the Silver Surfer, and that was something that I don't think that they had talked about beforehand when they were brainstorming. So all of a sudden, Stan Lee gets those pages, and he's like, wait, why is there a silver guy on a surfboard flying around? (laughs) Time out, time out. So so he came up with the Silver Surfer as like a side note to this story? Yeah. Yeah. Jack Kirby. Wow. I, nice. I just had a little bit of a mind-blown moment there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never I didn't knew know that, that story either. And then it turned out that the Silver Surfer ended up being one of Stan Lee's favorite characters My to write. Goodness. That's why... So, so Stan Lee ended up writing the character in his first appearance, and then, uh, you know, later on in the 60s, uh, the Silver Surfer had his own series. Yeah. Uh, Jack Kirby didn't draw that. That was drawn by John Buscema, but Stan Lee wrote it, and... I th- honestly think his Silver Surfer is his most personal work. If you read his Silver Surfer, it, it yeah, there's a lot of action and and stuff like that that you'd expect in a superhero comic, but it's also got a lot of philosophizing and it, it feels like you're getting that's like the closest most un you, the closest you get to an undiluted view of Stanley's mind, you know, like a lot of the thoughts that he's got on society and and how people should treat other people. Like, you see that being given a lot of voice in the Silver Surfer comic he did in the 60s. And I know that he had such an affinity for the surfer that he, for a long time, he didn't want other people to write the surfer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is all fascinating. I didn't know that. But yeah. Surfer is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, but. the Silver Surfer is my favorite superhero. When, when people ask me who my favorite superhero is, I just tell them the Silver Surfer is. <laughs> um, and I remember when the Silver Surfer got a new series back in the late 80s and somebody else uh, ended up writing that series. Because, you know, that was by the time that Stan Lee hadn't really been active in comics anymore. Mm. So I heard he was kind of disappointed by that, you know? Because yeah. yeah. it was just one of those things where, you know, it's almost like time passed him by. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. But, yeah, you just got to give respect to Stan Lee for all of his accomplishments. Um, but at the end of the day... What I will say is this, going back to the nicknames he gave the bullpen creators, Stan Lee, he was Stan the man. Totally. Well totally. said. But well Jack said. Kirby is king. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, agreed. <laughs>